Coming to you from St. George, Utah. This is the podcast, 70 is the New 50. A fun view of the joyous side of aging. Brought to you by Utah Tech University, the Institute for Continued Learning, the City of St. George, Washington County, and Intermountain Health. And now, 70 is the New 50. Welcome to 70 is the New 50. I'm your host, Wendy King. And yes, the good news, in the year 2022, we are getting younger and healthier as we age. This podcast will explore that wonderful reality and shine some light on some inspiring examples. A bit about me. I'm an author, a power walker, a volunteer, and a grandmother. I'm a retired chief financial officer, a project manager for constructing high-tech buildings, and a fundraiser. I'm an East Coast transplant to St. George, Utah. Turns out St. George is a mecca for hiking and biking, but also vast opportunities for learning and personal growth. Why this podcast? Jan Graham Hunt, an accomplished leader, created this podcast last year. It is the perfect medium to tell our stories and about all about vitality. And now I am honored to be her co-host. At the onset, let's make it clear, aging is not a negative, it is a victory. We are proud of our age, and more importantly, what we are doing at our age. I am thrilled to be in my 70th year and counting. And finally, the setting of our recording, we are in the podcast room run by Sean Denovan on the Utah Tech University campus in gorgeous St. George, Utah the gateway to Zion National Park and other amazing natural wonders of the West. Let me introduce once again you all to ICL, the Institute for Continued Learning, where we hold over 70 courses on the Utah Tech campus, engage in club activities and field trips, and enjoy our community. Our guest today is celebrity ICL instructor Diana Hawks. (laughs) Diana has been teaching classes in archaeology and the wonders of the Southwest for many years. Diana has an associate's degree in geology and a BS and MA in prehistoric archaeology. She has lived in St. George since 1991 and worked as an archaeologist since 1975. In retirement, she works part-time for Rhodes Scholar as an educator on trips to the national and state parks of Utah and northern Arizona. Welcome, Diana. Will you take a moment and tell us about your personal background and how you became an archaeologist? Ooh, very good question. I was raised in Bountiful, Utah, and I read a book about the discovery of King Tutankhamun, when I was 12, and I knew immediately I wanted to be an Egyptologist. I knew it. And then I kind of forgot about it, and I went to college, and my mom said, be smart, go into business so you can get a good job. So I went into business, and it was so boring. (laughs) I thought, nope, that's not for me. And I looked around, and I went, geology, yes. And I started taking geology classes and just loved it. They really loved it. They did field trips. They climbed the Tetons, went down to the Grand Canyon. And so I got my associate's degree in geology. And then I transferred to a university, and I had postponed all the math classes because I don't 
do math. My head can't do it. <laughs> I have a mental block. And so I thought, okay, I'll just get them out of the way. And I took um, physics and chemistry and algebra in the same semester, and I got an F and a D minus and an incomplete. <laughs> I went, okay, it's not geology. And I looked around and I went, oh, archaeology. And then I remembered I'd wanted to be an Egyptologist. And so I went into archaeology, absolutely loved it, had no intent of having a career in it. And when I got my master's in 1980, I also am in my 70th year <laughs> and loving it. Uh, when I got my master's degree, there were all kinds of jobs, and I have had a phenomenal career. I worked for private companies, and then I got on with the Bureau of Land Management um, in 1989, and I worked 27 years for them and retired in 2016. And I worked on the Arizona Strip which is that portion of Arizona north of the Grand Canyon. So talk about the best area. Um, and so that's how I got into it. And uh, I've got to say retirement is the best part of my career so far. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Um, I've always looked at opportunities my whole career. I've always jumped. You know, I worked in Mexico. I worked in the Maya area just because I wanted to. And I think retirement is the best possible opportunity we have because we can go in any direction we want. Isn't that the truth? That's so great. And now you're sharing a little bit about what you've done with others in your archaeology classes at ICL. So some of the ICL classes, 50, 60 people sign up. Yours sometimes have over 100 people <laughs> in your classes. Um, so tell us just a little bit about the classes that you are teaching. Okay, it's interesting because when I started teaching... Uh, archaeology classes at ICL, <clears throat> um, I told him, I said, hey, the subject matter will bring in the audience. <laughs> what I found out is a lot of people always wanted to be an archaeologist. And when they retired, they're like, hey, and luckily it's not too late. You can be an archaeologist in your retirement years. You can volunteer for federal and state agencies. You can do all kinds of fun things. So the classes I, I normally teach are uh, the Archaeology of the Southwest, and then um, Mesoamerican archaeology, because I did work in the Maya area. And so I love them. Uh, they keep me current in those, those subjects, and it's just fun to share um, what knowledge I have. I had a suggestion last spring from a class member to teach a class on what you can see in the area. So this fall, in fact, in November, I'm going to be teaching four classes on exploring southern Utah, northern Arizona, and southern Nevada. Wow. And I'm excited about it. I, I got pulling the PowerPoints together, and it's it's fun. Great. Well, fun. I've already signed up. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and not only can you take the class on campus, but you can do it by Zoom. Right. So for our audience out there, I think they start really next week, so that's something people might want to think about. And because they're on Zoom, they record them, and they send you the link, and you can watch them anytime you want. Oh, that's From awesome. anywhere in the world. Ooh, it's wonderful. That's awesome. Yep. So in terms of archaeology, what can the villages and the uh, artifacts of the past help us understand about the present and maybe even a little bit about the future. It, it's really interesting. One point I try to get across to people, especially in the Road Scholar trips that I do, is I make a point of telling them there are archaeological sites everywhere, everywhere, because people have lived here before. We tend to think they're only in special areas or where the parks are or where the historic sites are, but no, people lived on the landscape. And especially in the West where it's so arid, it's really inspiring to see what prehistoric people could do in this arid environment. Chaco Canyon, Mesa Verde, the cliff dwellings, the 
Pueblo Bonito is an 800-room Pueblo, five stories high in Chaco Canyon. Uh, it blows you away what these people were able to do um, without the the metals that we have, uh, draft animals. I mean, it's, it's impressive. The other thing I think that um, it can tell you about is... Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, I lost it. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's interesting. One of the things when I had the privilege of being in your class was about community, that how the um, the ancient people were organized around a community. And it really reminded me of some of the things today. And I, I just think for me personally, how it seems we've, we're lacking in a little community today. And maybe there's an opportunity we can learn how people were able to communicate and gather in the past. But, you know, that's, that's, that's speculation on my part, you know? No, I like that. And that reminds me that what I was trying to say, and, and it slipped for a minute, that does that when I'm in, because I'm in my 70s, <laughs> um, is that the people back then were happy. They had everything they needed. Um, and I was reminded of that not long ago. I saw uh, on Facebook a little video that um, some Native Americans had posted of a gathering they had in their home, and they were all crammed in there, the kids, the grandkids, the parents, the grandparents. And you could tell how happy they were and how much love was in that room. And I think that's the message is that I think in our modern world, we go too fast and we take things for granted. And, and they didn't. They didn't. Oh, isn't yeah. that? It's just a, a beautiful picture that you just painted. That's great. <laughs> um, what are the couple of things that you would think about, um, maybe a couple of rules you would share with people who are wanting to go out and be amateur archaeologists <laughs> and that we make sure that we protect what we have from the past? Yeah, there's there's several things that we can do. Um like I said, there are archaeological sites everywhere. So as you go hiking and exploring anywhere in the world, you're going to run across artifacts and you're going to run across ruins. And the best thing that we can tell people is leave the artifacts where you find them because that is where they were either last used or close to the place they were last used. And they tell the story. If you just have that pretty arrowhead or that pretty piece of pottery and you've taken it, away from the site, you've taken most of the information. And most of the information is, where is it at? What is it associated with? Is it in a room? Is it under a floor? Is it in the trash midden? Where is it? What's around it? And then we can do things like um, uh, botanical analysis and see what seeds are with it. Oh, maybe it was used in farming. Maybe it was. But if you just take the thing, you've lost most of the information. So we tell people to leave artifacts in place. There's a lot of neat rock art, especially in our region here. Don't touch it. Your okay. fingers can add. The oils can, can help the rock surface deteriorate. And we can date the paint. If it's a pictograph, which is a painted figure on the rock, we can date it. Now, if you add your carbon, your modern carbon to it, then it might mess that date up. So we just tell people to leave it alone. Be careful where you step. Leave the artifacts in place. And respect respect the site. Oh, that's wonderful. So don't touch, 
don't take and don't tramp or something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that's great. And um, you're still working as an archaeologist, well, as, at least as a leader of the Road Scholar, which are, uh, it's an organization, right, that conducts educational tours it, and adventures for seniors and better. Yeah, it's uh, actually for anyone of any age, but it's mostly retired people that take uh-huh. The Road Scholar, I think they have the time and the money <laughs> to do it. But it's it's actually an international organization. It's run out of Boston, Massachusetts by Road Scholar, the, the corporation. They are nonprofit, educational. They partner with universities around the world. So those universities put the, the trips on and provide the staff and the buses and whatever they need. And here, we're very lucky because Utah Tech, uh, Road Scholar is also associated with Utah Tech. Great. They've partnered with Road Scholar, and they do trips primarily of all the national and state parks in southern Utah. And we do slip into northern Arizona, too. (laughs) We get to the Grand Canyon, and and, uh, we do a 10-day trip that's one of the most popular ones Road Scholar does worldwide. And what is interesting to me is everyone but Utahns go on that trip. We get people from... Florida, from New York, from New Jersey, from Wisconsin, from California, Washington. I think I've had one person from Utah on one of our trips. Wow. And it's right here. Wow. And the cost is very, very reasonable um, compared to what you get. And it's an itinerary that's just crammed. We do a 10-day. The 10-day trip is a big circle, and we go from here, Zion, Bryce, Capitol Reef, Arches, Canyonlands, Dead Horse Point State Park. We hit some world-class museums that are here in Utah that most Utahns don't know about, like Edge of the Cedars State Park in Blanding, Anasazi State Park in Boulder. These are little rural communities. We take them to these fantastic museums. Um, we go to Lake Powell. We, we just did a river trip on the Colorado River from Glen Canyon Dam to Lee's Ferry. At, way fun. Way wow. fun trip. And the people that come on these trip, these trips are really neat people. They're the kind that want to stay active and want to keep learning. Wow, that's great. I know. So it's like the best. Wow. That's so great to hear. I'm going to have to find <clears throat> out about one of those programs. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you're staying active. And is is there someone in your um, past who inspired you, who made a big impact on you and the way you're living in the world now? Um, many people have inspired me. I see people all around me, and I go, I want to be more like that person. Um, my grandmother <clears throat> really inspired me to enjoy life. I remember uh, I really did a lot with her when she was in her 70s, and that's where I am now, and I often think back, wow, you know, because she seemed so old when I was in my 30s. Uh-huh. But she was phenomenal because she was always enjoying whatever was around her. She was laughing, having fun. Made the best of everything. Wow. Yeah. And I was able to take her to Hawaii. I was I was fi- trying to figure out what age she was at that time. I think she was 76 when I took her to Hawaii. And I didn't know when we got, we got over there and she was sitting on the beach in Kauai. And she just had this marvelous look on her face. And she said, I always dreamed about coming to Hawaii. Wow. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and did you did you explore any of the archaeology there when you yes, were there? Yes, of course. Oh, of oh course. I was going to say. <laughs> and they were fascinating. Yeah, oh, it's, it's fascinating. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. And then if you, um, well, I guess, were you one of the first women 
archaeologists in the state of Utah? No, no, I was not. Oh, interesting. But it's interesting. It wasn't too long ahead of me that they were the first women archaeologists. I actually went to the University of Utah. Uh, I started a Ph.D. program there. And then they, (laughs) this was back in the late 70s, and they stopped a lot of their archaeology program But at that time. And I got in the ending of Jess Jennings' career. He's a very world-famous archaeologist. He's the one that excavated Danger Cave out by Wendover and a phenomenal archaeologist. And I took some seminars from him. But he really discouraged women. And the women in the department, the students Mm. were very discouraged. And they had to really fight they had to really fight hard to even stay, you know, in, in the department. And I, I did, um, I went to BYU for my master's degree. And at that time, it was subtle at BYU. But um, the paid contract positions usually went to the men. And that was in the 70s. Yeah. But, but, you know, since I've been in working in archaeology since the 80s, I haven't seen that kind of discrimination. There's a lot of women that succeed, and actually, some of the women do as good and better than the men. Wow! Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. There's, there's uh, world famous women that have worked, even even from the early days, like in the 1930s, and in, in archaeology. Wow! So That's great to yeah. hear. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mentioned I was a <clears throat> chief financial officer, so. When I started my career, there were not that many women in finance. And I'll never forget, I was in the healthcare sector, and one of the physicians came up to me after a meeting, and he said, you know, he was in his white coat, and he said, you know, my father was a doctor and involved in healthcare and told me to be afraid of the business men. He never told me to be afraid or leery of the business women. <laughs> I'm like, there we go. I know I've made it now. So. There you go. Uh, but, you know, those struggles, I, I think it's interesting. If you look at some of the challenges that you had at that point in your career, are there any challenges that you have now as working part-time? Maybe just having the time to do what you need to get done. I don't know. I, th- I think the challenge for me right now is I take on too much. <laughs> there you go. Because it sounds fun, and I, and I want to do it, and I want to do this, and then I get another opportunity, and it's like, and then I'll get overloaded, and I'm like, okay, Diana. <laughs> That's the challenge today. Yes. Is there's so many opportunities. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can really pick and choose and just don't pick too many. <laughs> and, you know, thinking about our, our uh, desire to be, you know, vital – do you think um, people that study archaeology at you know at this phase of our lives, there's some real benefits to them that archaeology uniquely might have? It, I think so, and a lot of that is is uh, joy and satisfaction. Wow. I've worked with uh, years ago when I was with the BLM. <clears throat> I would teach um, an archaeology class with the goal of getting volunteers to help us do the work. And so I would take them out one and two at a time in the field with me. And we were sitting out. I was sitting with these two gentlemen <clears throat> who actually were lab workers at the hospital here in town. Delightful gentlemen, really neat. And we were sitting for a break at Mount Trumbull in the forest. And this one man just said, oh, oh, this is so wonderful. <laughs> and I went, yeah, it really is. <laughs> so that, I think... The fact that you can do what you've always wanted to do, now's the time. Now's the time. Isn't that great? Yeah. Well, you took us on a field trip um, to the nearby um, 
hillside. It wasn't too far from my home that I there was a site I didn't even know was there. And I thought one of the things that was interesting was not only was there an ancient site, but there was an archaeological site that probably I could have been in, potentially. <laughs> I didn't really realize I was part of history. But archaeology, would you say that the period of time, I mean, is it the last 25 years that no, it starts? No. When is it? You can, you can do archaeology. What archaeology is, simply, this is how I describe it in my classes. Archaeology is a discipline that looks at man's past using the things they left behind. That's what archaeology is. So that's why when I was at that site and there was that dishware, I'm going to call it that yellow, <laughs> um, I don't know what it, I know my parents had that dishware that yeah, scares me yeah. to death. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was there. It was yeah. looked like there was a little yeah. town there. Yeah. Uh, and it was below the ancient site. So that was fascinating. I know it is. Yeah. It's just looking at the things people leave behind. There's historical archaeologists, prehistoric archaeologists. You can specialize in any area of the world. Yeah, it's really That's it's really okay. a lot of fun. In fact, the University of Arizona did studies. I don't know if they're still doing them on um, garbage, the looking at the garbage that people threw away, and then they would interview them and say, "Now, does your family eat really, really expensive meat?" Oh, yeah, we do, we do. And then they'd look at their garbage and go, "No, they don't. No, they don't." Wow. <laughs> See, so they could even tell the story of the people living today. Wow, that is that is so. I mean, it's just so broad and so exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. So, again, you're you're doing this work, and you know, we're shedding light on people that are fully engaged. And just, can you tell us in a few words, like what makes you tick? <laughs> That's a hard one. I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think I've always had a little little of my grandmother in me, oh. and look at the positive. And if I, if I see a door shut or it doesn't seem like I can get where I want to go, I find another way. Um, when I was um, still an undergraduate at BYU, I wanted to work in Mexico. And so what I did, I knew there was a foundation down there in southern Mexico. I wrote a letter completely blind to the director and said, I want to work down there. And he came to the university and he interviewed me and he took me down there. Wow. So I've never... I've always seen opportunities, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, and I think the exciting thing that, you know, as we are now doing podcasts and we're doing this by video for the first time and we have an opportunity to teach um, online as well as in person, what, I mean, what what a great new medium and what great opportunities now we can have you know, to share archaeology with people. That's great. Well, and, and inspire people to do what they love. Yeah, not only archaeology, yeah, whatever, whatever, if there's some, something else is your passion. Yeah, do it. And don't, if you hit a wall, then look for a way around it or a way over it or another alternative. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, it's been wonderful, Diana, to have you as my guest and you can find out more about Dinah's classes. Again, they start next week at the ICL website, icl.utahtech.edu. E-D-U. 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 And I'd like to close this episode maybe with a little inspirational quote, if I may, um, about the brave new world of um, aging. Um, this is a quote from Goldie Hawn, the actress. 
When I turned 50, I asked some of my girlfriends, all actresses of the same age, what are we going to do now? I wanted to go live, go somewhere for a while, learn archaeology, or take part in healing the world on some level. I wanted to dig deep. Now, that's the name of our episode today, Dig Deep, and say, who am I now? What do I have to offer? What do I have to learn? Asking these questions and actualizing them keeps us vital. Diana, any last thoughts for our audience? (laughs) Um, There are so many opportunities if you want to be an archaeologist. um, Look for local uh, archaeological societies. We have one right here in St. George, right. the Desert Archaeological Society, and they meet right here on Dixie College, Utah Tech College, <laughs> University <laughs> Campus. We changed our name. <laughs> yep. Oh, great. Good. Well, Sean, any uh, other comments we should have for our audience today? Like and follow on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere. So that's where you can follow and subscribe for 70 is a new 50 on your favorite listening or viewing platform. And this is our first, I think, uh, video. Yes. So here we go. You got 10 seconds left. All right. Let's dig deeper. Yay. (laughs) Thanks again, Diana. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us for 70 is the new 50. In coming episodes, you will meet the rock stars of our community who are sharing their expertise to empower us to stay young, healthy, and happy as we age. We will see you on the next episode of 70 is the New 50. In the meantime, live long, live well, and live with joy. This has been a production from a podcast studio.